Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingston. scared all right so we're rolling and what i so first of all welcome back Corey. Do, you know i checked something before we uh recorded tonight do you know how long it's been since i've been on uh-uh. episode 58 or 59 back in september end of september and what is this episode 80 i think Something like that. Wow, it's been a while. It's been a while. I've missed you. I've missed you. I've listened to all your podcasts. So You've had some really good conversations with everyone. Thanks. The The first one after I went out the last time I was on was uh, the guy who was with ACDC. Yeah. That's how long it's been. Yeah. Lots happened since then. Yeah, that was Barry Taylor. Yes. Holy shit, yeah. I've had a lot of people on since then. You have. And then I focused in on local people. Yeah, those are really good. Getting to know your neighbor. So the whole sign debacle, everybody shared their opinions. And I'm curious what your view has been on all of this. Like, what have you been thinking about all this? What do you think about the fuck Biden sign? First of all, I'm, I'm not offended by the word fuck. I'm just not. It's not offended by the action of fuck either, I would like to point out. Exactly. Um, no, I... Would I have posted that sign? Probably not. I'm just... That's not who I am. Yeah. But I'm not offended that he did. Um, the two big takeaways I got got from that was... One, people were concerned about their children. And I get that. I don't want my children using that word, if at all possible. Yeah. Although I'm pretty sure most of them, that was like their first word. <laughs> yeah, and Aiden says fuck all the time. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, how do you tell a typically nonverbal autistic child not to talk when you've been waiting so long to hear him talk? And so, and I think I talked about that with David. Like, there is a balance that we take with words and... While we don't have to be offended by them, we don't have to tangle emotions around them, we can apply just sensible practices to them, and we realize the severity of the word and the intensity of the word, and frankly, kids just haven't experienced that yet. I mean, that's what I tell the kids. I'm like, you don't know what that word means. Like, you don't even know about all the emotions applied to it. And until you do, don't use the word. And I think that brings to light a... The bigger thing is we need to have these tough conversations with our children. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. This area has not... We've had our fair share of controversy and horrible things happen. And Mm -hmm. I think us as parents need to be able to have difficult conversations with our children. Yeah. And explain these things to them. And so at, at at a minimum, I can see where... 
it's at least created a conversation. Yeah. And maybe it's forced um, some people to have some difficult conversations that, is, as harsh as this sounds, probably should be having them anyway. And isn't that just kind of the way life works anyway, is... We want to put up all these protective agents to insulate our children from as much pain as possible because we love them and we protect them, but it's the really harsh, traumatic, and spontaneous, and unexpected, and out-of-my-control experiences that shape our lives and shape the way that we respond to trauma, to things that are upsetting, to offense, to all of these things. And then we can learn how to develop resiliency about it. Because what we come to find out as we get older is no matter how many obstacles we try and take out of the path of our children, there's always going to be obstacles that we can't account for. And the word fuck splattered in front of a sign on the way to school in the morning is going to be one of those, those things that happens that forces you to have to confront the conversations that you really want to have with your kids anyway. Don't you want your kids to hear it from you? Don't you want to be able to put your gentle and delicate lens over this big, huge topic in the first place? And then don't you want to be honest with your kids and give them a foundational definition to the word so they really understand why a person gets upset when it's used versus just don't do it. Just don't say it because I said so. Like, give them a reason because here's the thing I recognize about our children. If I tell them why I want them to do something, they have more information to realize why it's beneficial, right? Why do I want you to brush your teeth? I know you don't want to, and I know you hear that you just have to brush it, but why? Well, we take care of our teeth because we need our teeth. We need our teeth to eat. We we need our teeth to, to supply nutrients to the rest of our body. If we don't have teeth to do that, our body will lack things. Also, our teeth are an entry path into our systems, into our immune systems. We keep them clean. We keep our immune systems clean. You know, like, give them a reason why. Give them a reason why in that it's good for them, that it benefits them, that they, they are a, a profiting from this. And they'll probably be more inclined to listen to you. Exactly. And let's face it, our children are going to, you know, looking back in history, b- before the age of technology, we could shelter our kids from certain things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even even looking at purity culture. I believe that at one point in time in our history, purity culture served a purpose and it worked probably worked well. Yeah, in that time period, in the context that it was delivered. But in today's day and age with social media and YouTube and all of these, all of this technology, we can't shelter our kids from this stuff anymore. No. We have to have the conversations with them because they're going to learn it. And whether or not they learn it from a healthy perspective... I guess is on us as parents and we need to be willing to have those conversations with our children because we want them to get good information. Right. Do you want to be their search engine or do you want Google to do it? Like that's the ultimate question. Like, so if I don't want my kids hearing the word sex without me explaining what it is or why I'm talking about it, they're going to get curious. And if I've developed a relationship where I don't talk about certain things, they already know I'm not going to give them the answers. Google. If you Google sex, they're going to know about porn instantly. 
That's what happens. And so I want to be the search engine. I want to be the one that bores them with the actual articulate information that's not vivid and imaginative and filled with advertisements. Because the other thing is that when you talk about something and act like it's really normal, they're bored by it. They're no longer curious. You've given them so much information that they're not curious about it anymore. I notice that when I talk to the kids about sex, they're like, are you done? I get it. I know. You've talked about this before. And Lillian and Julian were the same way. I get it. I know. And we didn't have a lot of, like, even sexual issues with them growing up. So, I mean, they're still growing up. But you want to be the, 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 the resource they turn to. You want to be the resource that they turn to that they can depend on to give them the, uh, something close to the truth. Because you, you're not going to want them to figure it out through the other resources. But the other cool thing about that is if you start talking to them about these things and controversial topics when they're young, now what's happening as they've gotten older, they come and voluntarily ask you questions yeah. about these things because they want to, they know you're comfortable talking about it and they feel comfortable coming to you with them. Right. They can now be vulnerable with you. You've created a pattern where they know that when you guys are talking about no matter what, there's a safe space and there's no judgment. You're reliable. And yeah, you want them to return to you when they're older. You want them to be like, I need your advice. I need your help. Can you answer this question? Right? Because that's what we want. Because after they leave our house, we're like, am I of use to you anymore? Don't you love me? You know, like, ah. But, and so it's nice. I don't want to control them. I don't want to be like, be in my life. But I've created this pattern. I've created this relationship where I am the resource. I am the search engine. And I'm also the judgment-free space for them. And I think a fuck Biden sign can encourage the development of that relationship. And so thumbs up for that. And then the other thing that I thought about that kept reoccurring was the freedom to do so the freedom of speech just because we are we have that freedom does that mean we should exercise it and i don't know if i've actually still come to a conclusion on that one um but i can understand why people do feel that they should exercise it because they have it because they're afraid if they don't they'll lose it i mean that's one underlying message if i don't exercise my rights i might lose them and so another thing on that is that if we don't use them, will it become a social norm to not express that way? And then will it, it become abnormal and offensive and unheard of and something we should condemn then if we do see it arise again? Like the capital thing. Mm -hmm. Like everybody was like, I can't believe the audacity of these people to storm the Capitol. <gasps> We've never seen a protest. And I'm going, really? We don't, doesn't everybody use DC for their protest spectacles? I mean, history has shown that you go to the doorstep of your highest elected official and you let him know. I'm done. I don't want to tolerate it anymore. We are the people speaking. So, like, when I saw that transpire, and I just saw all these people just like, oh, the audacity of these people to pro... And I'm like, how do you even say that on the heels of the summer of 2020? Uh, in Minnesota alone, we were... I was more struck by that. Now, I'm not saying people aren't capable of that kind of destruction. And I know there were people aimed at creating some serious 
destruction at the White House. But what I'm saying is we shouldn't be so shocked that these things should happen. And so if it becomes a social norm where it's not acted out, where it's not exercised, where it's not expressed, then the way that this turn of events has created this shadow on those who dared to go to the Capitol, I mean, like they're being run through FBI and CIA and banned from using their passports and being labeled as terrorists. And that will scare people away from exercising their rights. So then you have this other pocket standing up going, well, fuck that. Now we're going to exercise our rights. So you're not going to take them from us. So I have an appreciation for all of that, just to watch all of that unfold. And I don't have to take a side and I don't have to condemn it. And I think that's what I've really come to conclude on all of this is I can just have an, I'm just really appreciating all of it. Like appreciating people going through different processes and taking different positions and acting in certain ways or maybe just changing their way of seeing things has been just really fun to just be able to observe and appreciate. No, I do think, I mean, we're not condoning violence no. by any means. I mean, we don't want people getting hurt and no. I just wanted to clarify that. Right. I want to point out that understanding a situation and understanding the behavior or the action does not mean agreement with it. It just means I understand it. So yeah, so that was a really fun series to do and I'm looking forward to a lot of the interviews that I already have lined up, but we're going to break through with you. And so I thought we'd move on to something else. And so I have been put on a 24-hour Facebook ban. And that ties in with a lot of the work that I've been doing. I kind of started writing. I wanted to get your your thoughts on my ban. Because you said something yesterday that kind of made me upset. So I got banned from Facebook. The allegation was that one of my posts insinuated uh, sex solicitation and then I violated nudity standards, but I didn't, I wasn't nude. So they deleted a post. I disagreed with the decision and I was like, screw this. And I reposted it, but with a different photo, but just as revealing. And by revealing, I mean, I was wearing Rihanna's Savage X Fenty freaking bomb ass purple lace bra and some yoga shorts and some sequence gloves and my really cute six-inch platform shoes. And... It was really sexy. It was really fucking sexy. But you didn't see my tits, and you didn't see anything else. I mean, I've seen more in bodybuilding competition photos and bikini shots and, quite frankly, TikTok videos. So I was not doing anything vulgar. And so... They took my post down. It pissed me off. And so I reposted the post, which got me a 24-hour ban... And I said, when they scolded you for having it on there, I mean, you, sh- you should have known that if you posted it again, you were going to get banned for 24 hours. That's basically what I said. And you kind of kicked the bear a little bit. But I, in the, in the areas that you are in and, and what you are trying to do, you are pushing the limits of what is normal, I mm. guess you could say. And... So you're going to have this kind of hanging over your shoulders and you're always going to have people watching you that aren't going to agree with you. Yeah. And so you just, you're going to have to be careful about how you go about this. I can understand 
with someone with a different lens than we have, how they could interpret your post the way that they may have interpreted it. With insecurity as their lens. Yes. Uh, I don't agree with that, but I can understand why they a person could interpret it that way. And, and then to repost it after you were scolded, I mean, come on, babe. <laughs> okay, so don't kick the bear again, but what happens when the bear just, like, starts, like, taking over? So this goes back to the whole, what happens when we don't exercise our rights? Now, it's a private organization. It is. So how do my rights apply to this? And I think you should be willing to push the limits. I fully expect you're going to get another ban at some point in time, but you have to know, push the limits. But when you reach that limit, you got to take a little break. Yeah. You know, and say, okay. Stretch it. Don't push your boundary. Stretch because it you, slowly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> Sexual what she said. innuendos on that one. Or no, and I get that, and I can look back and see that, and I know that a lot of people, I have a lot of people in my social media circles that get banned over and over and over and over and over again, and they just keep, fuck you, I'm gonna, uh, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, I'll do what I want, right? And And I think, okay... I mean, yeah, it looks like you're taking a stand, but what's the fine print say? I mean, do I do I even have any wiggle room here? You know, like, I uh, disagreed with the decision. That's literally all I can do. I don't get to, like, make a claim. I don't get to give a statement. I don't get to, like, be like, did you actually read my fucking post? Because there was no way I was selling sex in my post. And I was not nude. And, oh, my God, have you seen what else is on Facebook? I've seen less, okay, more often. What happens when you keep pushing and now you no longer can use it? And I think, okay, well, do we see everything as a gift? Yes, I do. I must. And so an opportunity for me to get more creative about erotic embodiment and about my message and an opportunity to shift a little bit in how I am presenting the message. And I get it. You see the word erotic and you see an image of me, sexy as fuck, I might add. And you are activated by your shame influence of your puritanical, evangelical influence. And what do you do? You try and defend yourself. You try and protect yourself. You're fighting God's fight whatever. But I mean, I can help you through that too. Like a lot of people are going through, you know, a religious deconstruction and I'm kind of like, hi, let's do an erotic deconstruction too. And so we can work you out of that idea that sex is gross and leaves you with soul ties and all that shit. Yeah. From there. Did you look at that sermon I was just watching? That pastor that... The one you were watching just before? The one I was just watching. Yeah. That was... And so that is part of the influence on these people that are click happy about trying to cancel and report people. Stop using these people. Insecure individuals. Okay, that's better. These insecure individuals that don't want to deal with their own issues, and so they're projecting. So this pastor... You heard me watching it, and you were like, how can you even watch this? Like, what part? He was, like, talking about how, thank God there's makeup because women are ugly. He's saying this in front of a congregation? 
what talking basically he ends his sermon by talking about how all wives should strive to be like Melania Trump. And I'm not here to diss on Melania Trump. She's beautiful. I I think she's aesthetically pleasing. I don't know her. I'm not going to judge her. I followed her on Twitter. I liked her tweets. I think she's positive. So whatever. I don't need to judge her. Number one, I don't want just one woman to be a standard of what beauty is because that's bullshit. Because we are all unique and there is beauty revealed in all of us and everybody else can see it. It just depends on the person. How you can stand up there feeling secure and dissing and judging women like this. I mean, they say he's now seeking counseling because he's going through emotional issues. And I'm like, maybe he really was just being true about what he believes. And that is a chance for us to really expose the evangelical community for these crappy ass fucking teachings. It's not just the evangelical community, no. though. I mean, we, we can't. Society it's not, as a whole has not, all these influences. It's not fair to just put this on the church. That's fair. It's not just the church, okay? I, I and I don't believe overwhelmingly that the church has these beliefs. I, I just don't. I think this is a societal standard you and i have both spent time on tinder and other Mm -hmm. webs websites like that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that way on those websites yeah who have this like checklist of all of these features and attributes you must have and how much money you must have in your bank account and it's not just men though who have this it's It's, women it's women i mean there are women on some of these websites where Okay, you have to be clean shaven. You have to be over six feet tall. You have to be. You have to be Black Lives uh, Matter. You have to be yeah. anti Trump. You have to be vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. That's a new feature, y'all. Yeah, so your dating will now be safer knowing that your, your partner of the evening has been vaccinated or not. So. So, I mean, it's just society in general. Yeah. We, we have come to this, and it's very disheartening, really. Yeah. Because we don't... It's vapid and shallow. Yes. And it doesn't see the individual, right? These views refuse to see the individual. These views take on a majority collective consensus of what is and is not, and doesn't leave room for individual interpretation. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Why did we get rid of that? Like, I love that. Like, because I don't give a fuck if you think what I think is beautiful is beautiful. That's not how beauty works. And you're supposed to see beyond the skin. You're supposed to see beyond the the, the superficial flesh. You're supposed to see beyond... How do you... There's such a separation of... of flesh from spirit but then you're like focus on the flesh even though you're like the flesh is the sin i don't understand all of these contradicting messages yeah it's frustrating to see this also frustrating to see all of this outrage about dr seuss i don't really have an opinion on that other than the fact that the six dr seuss books that have apparently been banned quote unquote even though they weren't banned they just aren't being sold I've never heard of them. We own one of them because it was up um, in a controversy in some other school district a couple years ago. Was it the Mulberry Street one? Oh, the things you'll see on Mulberry Street or something? I don't remember. 
I bought it because there was such a big old controversy over it. And I mean, there's little things in there and, and that's just the way people wrote back then. And I get that it was in a different context and it was a, in a different, it was in a different world. So I don't need to look back at the way people did things and be like, fuck those people. They were awful. It was a different life and I didn't live it. But if I'm looking at these books now, which nobody is, by the way, it's not like they're on the top selling bestseller list, right? Like no one's fucking heard of these books. If no one's reading it and someone is like, eh, these, eh, some of this stuff is questionable. And an independent school district makes a decision to just move it to a different section of the library in the adult section versus the children's section. Why do I need to give a fuck about that? You don't. I don't. It's just another thing for you to give a fuck about so you can scream about how much you give a fuck about it even though you don't give a fuck about it. I'm reading The Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson right now, so I'm just like totally jiving on giving a fuck about stuff and not. That's what I've seen so much outrage. I see people saying, I'm going to buy so many books right now because one day they're not going to let us buy books. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'm a book lover. Like, look at my house. I love books. Hello. And I have a lot of the classics for for a reason back then that did in, make me think it wouldn't be available, but also because I was a geek and I loved the classics growing up. But if you want to go buy all the books and, and, and you're worried you, you won't get them, fucking go buy them then. But don't sit here and invest this much time and energy into thinking one independent school district not having certain books in their rotation is somehow infringing on your fucking rights because it's not. And it's not going to turn around and be an infringement on your rights tomorrow under federal legislation because it's just something most people don't give a fuck about. Yeah. And it's still being done by private companies. And we want private companies to be able to make the decisions they want, similarly to the baker being able to refuse the gay person their cake. I mean, it, it's funny to see that political side be up in arms about Dr. Seuss and, and movies that Disney's no longer going to do, but you held a different line. But in their defense on that one, they aren't allowed to refuse service now, though. Okay. But does that take away their right? Depends upon the point of view, I guess. I guess if you care about religious rights and whatever tangible things those actually are. I used to be on that side, but now I'm not so sure anymore. I just, I don't, I believe in a loving God and why would you refuse service to somebody? I just don't get it. Why is that a big issue? No, no, that's just my thoughts. I think because it's just backed by fear, right? It is. Like, it's all backed by fear. People's hatred is backed by fear. It's what they don't know that scares them, and they don't understand it because they don't know it, but they don't want to get to know it because it's scary. And so it's just this really stupid cycle of ignorance that keeps people trapped. Fear is very powerful. It makes you do a lot of stupid things. It really does. I was writing about fear in my chapter today, my anger chapter. Fear is a big component of anger. It is. Anger is usually kind of like the cover emotion for fear, for feeling scared. Yeah, when I see all these angry people out there, all outraged, I just see a lot of scared people, a lot of ignorant people. And I think a lot of you motherfuckers are intentionally ignorant. 
Like you were just so justified and righteous in what you currently know that you couldn't possibly need to know anything else other than the fact that your existence, while is so amazing and miraculous, is pretty fucking boring if you don't share it with other people. The rabbit holes like go down with that one or Tell me. No. Why? That's for a different conversation. Is fear taking over right now? Are you scared? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of conversation? We're only thirty minutes in. We can we can keep going. We can keep going. Keep going. Didn't you have other questions? Did are you looking over at my notes right now? (laughs) Maybe. I have no other questions, sir. You don't have any other questions? No, bring us down the rabbit holes. We love rabbit holes here on Recorded Conversations. That's cute. That's cute. Should we hit stop and play it back? Do you want to hear it? <laughs> no. I can get it queued up for you if you need to know it again. <laughs> I might okay. throw you under the well, bus. Well, <laughs> you can throw me under the bus. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's back that up just a little bit, though. We have to share our our existence with other people. That's what contributes to our experiences. That's what makes life meaningful. And something I was kind of working out that you know about is this kind of topic of why you need two. At mm. least two. And what does Jesus say? Like where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be. Or there I am. It's important that we we share our experiences with other people and that we widen our circumference of influence. I think especially... And I just kind of noticed this based on all of these different interviews I did for for the getting to know your neighbor is we do kind of put ourselves in a bubble. And I mean, I've said that I love being in a bubble in here. And, and then I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on in there three miles away. Like what? We put ourselves in a bubble and we just kind of like want other people to reinforce the ideas that we currently hold. And we are just totally okay with never pushing outside of that bubble. And I I don't know why we don't notice that we're actually suffocating when we're doing that. You know what I mean? Like, why don't we notice that? Does a goldfish ever know it's in a goldfish bowl? A goldfish bowl? Does yeah. a goldfish ever know it's in a bowl? Yeah, does, does it? it? Does, does a fish ever know it's in water? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we don't know we're in a bubble. Until we get outside the bubble. Yeah, we don't realize how isolated and insulated we become because we're being super productive and doing all these things and putting our our name on everything that we feel like we're doing something meaningful and purposeful. But Sometimes I think maybe we need to be irrational and do something spontaneous to, that we could regret. Yeah? Yeah. That we could regret? <laughs> we could. <laughs> no, really, though, right? We need risk. That's yeah. what... That's what eroticism is about, risk. It's the risk of, you know, magnetism and unknowing. It's the risk of chaos and order simultaneously existing and exploding and coalescing and creating something wonderful. It's super risky. But it can create something great, too. Like a child? Uh, I didn't Sorry, I went to sex. (laughs) That's where my mind goes, people. It can create a connection. It can. Yeah, and connections are powerful. Yep. People don't want to do that. We've been trying to create connections, haven't we? We have. It's not working out very well. No. And I almost want to give up on it, but I don't. Yeah. I know how you feel. So let's talk about it. I don't know if I want to. This is the <laughs> rabbit hole. Take another shot. <laughs> Take another shot. I'll be that like might... that night that I convinced you, or you convinced, or we decided to buy the PlayStation. 
Or was it the Xbox? God, we were drunk for we that. We were so drunk for that. And we... And you're like, uh, you want to buy it? And I'm like, let's charge it. I don't even want to know how we got there because we were drunk. We Well, because we went from Applebee's to Walmart. Oh, that's right. We were drink or Timber Lodge. So it wasn't that far. Yeah. But we went to Walmart to sober up, I think. I think we did. And we were ran. like, we need to go walk around. We're fucking drunk. We can't drive home. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, yeah. I don't want to talk about that on this one. Okay. <laughs> you might have to have me back sooner rather than later. Have you come again? <laughs> <laughs> You're so punny. <laughs> I totally am. <laughs> Okay, well, then I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. And then we can get on to greater things. Connected things. Naked things. Naked things.